Welcome to More Than a Scar Podcast. I'm your host, Janine, where we explore what it means to have a cleft palate or other craniofacial difference and how we can live our best life. It may be one of the most common birth defects, but very few people really understand what life is like for us. Please comment and take part in the discussion. You can visit my blog, morethanascar.blogspot.com and feel free to email with comments and suggestions at janinedeckard at gmail.com. I have so much to talk about on the subject of speech therapy. There's enough to have many episodes on this. I might even have an interview with a friend of mine um, who's able to speak from the perspective of a speech therapy provider. But for now, let's focus on the patient side. My own journey with speech therapy was painful. I did not understand its importance. I also had a really bad case of perfectionism. I was a straight-A student, and academically, school was easy for me. I was not happy at being told that I was not doing well in speech therapy. I did not understand why I was being critiqued on the way I spoke. I wish I could go back in time and tell myself that speech is important. Having people understand you is key. But that with the way my mouth was sewn together, it would be an uphill battle. It wasn't until I was 23 that I felt my speech was easily understood. The way my mouth is formed, I have a fistula or a hole in my hard palate, where my premaxilla and the two halves of my palate meet. There's a hole about the size for a tic-tac to fit through. Believe me, I put one up there. The fistula allows air to be pushed through into my nasal passage, which makes my speech mushy and unclear. When my orthodontist gave me a partial that contained two acrylic teeth, the partial closed the hole as long as I was wearing the device. I finally had normal speech. 23 years is a long time to struggle to communicate. I wish I hadn't waited so long. My premaxilla had two deformed teeth that I struggled to keep clean and pain-free. They were always in pain. They were fragile, and I felt like one good shove would be their undoing. This stemmed from having poor enamel and just being fragile bone structure, um, but it didn't help that I was in grade school. I pulled out my two front teeth by jumping on my bed. I had a net suspended over my bed, and I caught my first set of braces on the net. Ever since, that part of my mouth has given me nothing but trouble. Finally, in 2012, when I was 33, I begged my doctor to remove my front two teeth and give me a true partial. The pain was too much. I was so much happier without them. I have a full partial at the front, and this has allowed so much freedom and improved speech. No longer do I have a mushy palate, and no longer does air push through to my nasal passage. I only wish I had done it sooner. The way they did speech therapy in the 80s was repetition and correction. There wasn't a lot of positive feedback. They focused so much on my areas that didn't sound right that it felt like every single session was, let's keep track of the way that Janine can't speak correctly and point out each one to her. Each time I fin- finished, I felt so negative about my progress or lack thereof. I felt like a failure at something quote-unquote normal people never have to deal with. They did not help to empower me or help me see that I was capable of clear speech. I still remember the cards and silly games they would make me play, and they were never fun. They were just painful reminders of how different I was. Fast forward to my own child speech therapy. 
I shut down or I got defensive when it came time for a speech therapist to focus on my own baby's speech development. For the first four years, my baby couldn't hear, just screaming and pointing to get what was needed. For the most part, we were pretty in tune always with each other, and it didn't take very long for me to figure out what was needed. It was only after the speech therapist said that I have to expect some form of communication other than screaming and pointing that won't serve us later down the line. Once we started doing sign language, it was better. There was still a bit of discipline on my part because I was pretty upset by the whole thing. It wasn't until I accepted that for my child to be successful, I needed to get out of the way. I can look back now and see that I really did try my best to support and do what was needed, but I really could have used some help myself letting go of the pain and the anger that I held on to. This is one of the reasons I feel this podcast and writing my book is so important. I hope that by sharing my stories as honestly as possible, I'll be able to help another mother or another person with a cleft palate come to terms with things that happen to them. Acceptance is really important. You have everything you need to speak as clearly as you can. My mother took me out of speech therapy and worked with me on her own. She gave me the time to see what I could do with the structure of my own mouth. Just because people with unaffected mouths form sounds a certain way does not mean that that is the only way to form sounds. Humans are adaptable. I wish that someone with a cleft palate would become a speech therapist so they could explain to others that our mouths are never going to be quote-unquote normal. One very difficult time in my life that highlighted how different I was was when I was in Spanish class in second or third grade. I can't ever remember which grade because for a few years, the private school I was attending was experiencing a teacher shortage, and they combined many classes. My teacher was from some Latin American country, I forget which, and she was trying to teach people how to rule their R's. I was not capable of doing it because my palate was so mushy and so high and so deformed. I was not one to speak up for myself back then, so I just started crying. My friends tried to stand up for me and say, She has a cleft palate and can't do it. She tried, but she can't. The teacher continued to say that I was being rebellious and allowing Satan to control me because everyone can roll their R's. She kept on for much too long, humiliating me and again making me feel my difference all over again. My friends rallied around me during recess, and I remember feeling for the first time that my friends cared more than my teachers. Being a teacher's pet most of the time was my survival tool, but it didn't work this time. I feel like the best thing we can do for our children is to let them know that speech and communication is important, and that we will do whatever we can to encourage and support them, including finding positive speech therapists and teachers that take the issues into consideration and work with them. I feel like the best thing my mother did was to believe that I could do anything I set my mind to. She never wanted me to feel like I, was, I wasn't like everyone else, but that wasn't really the best way. Every situation outside of my house was a spotlight that showed how different I was. It made me feel like I was in some crazy reality, where at home I was me and everywhere else I was a freak. I was pretty black and white with my kids. Yes, you have this issue, but let's not let it get in the way. How can we work with what we have and make it work for us? 
Have you had difficult experiences with speech therapy or being understood? I'll have another podcast explaining my journey as a Toastmaster. I would love to hear your stories about communication. Thank you for listening to this episode of More Than a Scar. I hope you found it helpful and healing. I will do my best to upload new episodes each week. Please feel free to share it with a friend. We hope to spread awareness and education to those that need it most.